channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, supporting small and medium-sized businesses by creating greater freedom for them to succeed. I'm Ed Class with my friend and co-host Ron Baker, and on today's show, we're interviewing my esteemed Sage colleague, Jennifer Warwa. Well, Ron, I'm really excited about today's show. We have one of my favorite people in the, on the planet talking <laughs> to us today. Agreed. I'm, I am too. This will be great. And I, I just, just, just by way of getting our audience up to speed on something today, I, uh, I'm having my floors done in my house, Ron. Oh boy. So, so my whole family, we have transported ourselves down to the the homestead, the Homewood su- uh, Inn and Suites for the entire weekend. <laughs> I am safe, safely ensconced. I'm, you know, in, in, in the hotel, and we're broad, I'm broadcasting from the hotel room while my family is out trying to get something to eat. It's great. I just hope they finish on time, Ed, you know, the whole duration <laughs> thing. That's exactly. when it's critical. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, let me introduce our, our, our guest today. Uh, Jennifer, it, we'll give you the formal introduction first, and then we'll have a little fun. Jennifer is the Vice President and General Manager of Sage Accountant Solutions in North America, and Jennifer's passionate with part about partners and consultants and accountants and bookkeepers uh, because she wants to help them provide solutions that really make a difference in their business or firm and support them in in delivering an extraordinary experience. Uh, Before she worked with Sage, she owned her own firm for 12 years, and we're going to start off by talking with her about that, uh, providing accounting, bookkeeping, and consulting, as well as uh, software education and business and financial planning and marketing. Now, this is my favorite part of her formal bio. In addition to a regular speaker at accounting conferences, Jennifer was also listed in the top 10 tweeters worth following by Accounting Today. She's an avid blogger, which includes a featured blog and the Virgin Entrepreneur website. Uh, Jennifer made the Accounting Top 100 Most Influential People in Accounting and CPA Practice Advisors Top 40 Under 40 for four consecutive years. So that's how young she is, Ron, four consecutive <laughs> years in the top 40 under 40. And Jennifer was recognized by CRN, I love this one, as the CRN Woman of the Channel, Power 100, and one of the top most powerful women in accounting. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Jennifer Warwa. Well, thank you, Ed. That was quite an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, you told me stuff I didn't even know about myself. 
<laughs> yeah, well, this is the litany of stuff. And in addition, and maybe we'll get into this a little bit later, I don't know if you're aware of this, Ron, but, but uh, Jennifer has recently added the title of proud mom of two foster kids to her resume. Oh, yeah. Excellent. I did know that. that. That's the most challenging part of the whole thing. I bet. <laughs> I bet. And, and doing a great job with it. Well, Jennifer, we did want to, to talk to you, and we've been wanting to have you on, on the show for quite some time, and we're glad that we were able to get this done uh, right after a state summit where Ron and I were broadcasting live. We had a great time doing that. But let's, let's talk about you. Let's, let's talk about your, your background. For, I want to hear what you did before you even got to SAGE. So 12 years doing accounting and bookkeeping uh, in your native Canada, correct? That is correct, and it was um, you when you were kind of running through the gamut of things that we provided. I think it's interesting because when you provide um, any kind of financial services to a business, you just have this level of trust that opens the door for all kinds of other services. So, you know, whether it was, um, hey, I need some consulting on a uh, Christmas gift for my wife, you end up getting all of these crazy things that people want your advice on because they trust you with their finances. So you end up doing all kinds of interesting things when you've got that trust. You really do. And so how did you get started in that? Did you graduate from university accounting degree and said, I want to go into private practice? Maybe even go back a little bit even before your own organization. Yeah, so actually, funny story, I ended up there slightly by accident, I'm sure this resonates with some people, so I took, um, I took some time off after high school, and uh, actually went, and went to Australia for six months and worked there, and when I came back, I was like, what am I going to do, I'm going to go to college, I don't know what I'm going to go for, and my stepfather had a business that I had worked in, um, you know, child labor, through your whole growing up years, where you do all kinds of random things for free and um and his bookkeeper quit and he said i really need someone to run the finances for my business do you think you could do that and i'm like i could except for i have no idea what i'm doing and i was like i guess that's what i'll go to college for <laughs> so it was um it was a it was a little bit um accidental but um i think just growing up in a family business you're just entrepreneurial you do all kinds of interesting things. And as it turned out, being able to really deeply understand the financials um, served me well in all areas of entrepreneurship. And so it was really good to be able to be hands-on in a business while I was learning it in school and apply it right away. So I started out um, working with his company and then started my own. I just started, uh, you know, okay, I have a little bit of capacity. I could do a few other people's books. And um, I just really enjoyed it. I think it was the, I hired a team of people that did a lot of the processing on the back end. Uh, you know, they were the ones that managed the paper, if you will, now that there's no paper anymore, but there was paper back then. Um, and they did that. And then I spent my time working with the clients, talking to them about the numbers and what they meant to their business and um, how it was going to impact their future. And just, um, I, I got to do a lot of the fun stuff. So and uh, I just really enjoyed that, being able to spend time in businesses, working with them to shape their business to become what they envisioned when they started out. And what was your stepdad's business? It was actually manufacturing. He manufactured um, trailers, like uh, moving-type trailers, equipment trailers, so something that you'd tow a bobcat on. Um, he actually started out in sales. He, he was... Um, 
he was selling the trailers, and then he said, why would I sell them when I could make them? And he sold trailers and manufactured those, but he also did any other little random thing that came his way. So true entrepreneurs, as you know, if you've got a building and a nice big yard, you could put anything in it. So, you know, there'd be a phase of the year when he's selling tree stands, and then next year maybe it's a propane-powered campfire, and the next year, you know, it's just (laughs) all those things that entrepreneurs get into because they see an opportunity. So there was always lots of interesting things going on. And you just started doing the books for his firm, and then you said you had, you had some extra capacity, so you said, all right, I, I guess, how did you market yourself? Was it just word of mouth in your, in your town? Yeah, yeah, it actually, it started out, I had uh, someone who came to me, and actually I, I knew them, I was going to their gym, and the owner of the gym said, don't you, do, don't you do the books for a company now? And I said, yes, and she said, I'm getting all these statements from the government. This is literally how it started. This is, I wish it was more exciting or scientific than this, but it says, I'm getting all these statements from the government and I, I have no idea what this means. Like, so I look through them. I'm like, oh my gosh, you have a serious issue here. Like, you are going to be in trouble. And so it was, um, they were probably less than a month away from shutting that business down, uh, the government, because they were so, they just hadn't reported property and the person that was doing their books didn't know what they were doing. Um, and so I got in there and cleaned it all up and sorted everything out with the government. And the government basically said, hey, if she wouldn't have come along, you would not be operating right now. So she thanked me by telling everybody that she knew about, <laughs> oh, she's got this company and you've got to go and get, you know, get your books done there. And she's got to you know, work with you on your finances. So it was, um, that got me my first bulk of clients. And really, it was a lot of word of mouth after that. And it's interesting because one of the things that Ron and I talk about on the show is that that in a lot of ways, entrepreneurship is always in some way about surprise, right? And it's just a, a great story that you told because not only was your business a surprise, but it was certainly a surprise to her that she was about to go out of business, not yeah, not being able to, to take care of this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And just looking at all these notices and saying, I have no idea what any of this means. And she just hadn't, hadn't dealt with it. She wasn't trying to be neglectful, just didn't understand all of this ton of paper that was coming from the, the government. So so I, I guess for, the, for your, your, your uh, stepdad's business and then this woman's business, you kind of did the work. And then the, you said, okay, you did not want to be any part of actually pr- crunching and producing the numbers. Did you not, you not, didn't find that part exciting, but you really liked the interaction yeah. with the person. Is that right? Yeah. And I would say I probably like many business owners, you do some of everything. So there were certainly weekends when it was when we were into tax season, we, we didn't do taxes. I decided that that was not an area I was passionate about and we wouldn't go there because I see once you get there, it's like this addiction where you get stuck in this tax cycle and you can't get out and I didn't want to do that. That's not what we wanted our business to be about. Um, so, you know, you'd get into this busy season and it's like, okay, all hands on deck. So there were lots of evenings and weekends where we'd all be there just, you know, you, people would show up and say, hey, I've got like four years of stuff. I really need this done quickly. And it's like, all right, guys, all hands on deck. Let's get it done. Or going through an audit, you'd be, you know, you'd be working long hours. Um, so I didn't, I didn't mind that part, but I really enjoyed spending time with the clients. Like just, um, and, and it really, it broadened out so much. I mean, there's, there's so much going on in the business about, um, you know, we, I had a real estate developer, for example, and I actually facilitated their meetings. It was a partnership of uh, family members, actually, and they had a really large real estate development, and just facilitating those conversations and negotiations and making sure that the project moved forward 
on time because once again, once you're trusting someone with their finances and you understand how they operate, there's, that opens the door to other things that you could do. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Did you ever literally get the shoebox full of receipts? Oh, for sure. Lots of shoeboxes. I actually, I had someone that worked on my, uh, on my team and she was the shoebox sorter of sorters. Like I have pictures of her just with like boxes of stuff and just, she could get that thing sorted out like nobody's business. <laughs> so that, that's actually real, huh? That actually happens. That's funny. Oh, it's usually not a shoebox though. It's usually like a banker's box and it is overflowing. Like the lid doesn't get on. I remember I had one client... He'd come in and he'd be like, oh, here's all my receipts and they're dirty. He had a trucking business. And then he'd be like, oh, wait, I got one more. And he'd lean down and like pull it off the bottom of his shoe and it was stuck there with like a piece of coconut from a donut. It's like, oh, my word. Oh, my goodness. I'm not making that up. You can't make that stuff up. No, you right. That's, that a lot of people ask me about stories that I tell. It's like, are, are they true? It's like, you know, I, I'm not really not that creative. If you if you yeah, knew me well enough, you would know I don't have that. I'm not that creative to come up with something. You did have exactly. a, a fun story that we're going to talk We're going to go to, believe it or not, Jennifer, we're already up against our first break. So we're going to take a break, and I'm going to have Ron uh, come in and ask us some questions after this. But we want to remind everybody that, you can get a hold of us at asktsoe at verisage.com. Certainly look at our website, thesoulofenterprise.com, where we'll post show notes from previous shows, uh, as well as uh, the, the upcoming shows and what we're going to talk about in future weeks. But right now, we want to go to our first sponsor and hear from our friends, Leading Results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is your website just a brochure or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are leading results. We build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. Using HubSpot or WordPress, we'll create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have, but have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Kless. To find out more about our show, visit Verisage.com. You may also tweet us at Verisage. That's V-E-R-A-S-A-G-E. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. 
Well, welcome back, everybody. We're here with Jennifer Rora, the Global Vice President for Product Marketing for Accountants with Sage. And Jennifer, you were talking about your early history about owning your own bookkeeping firm. That was in Kelowna, is that right? Kelowna, Canada? That, that is correct, and you even said it correctly. Bonus points for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I, I had first opportunity to go there last year, and it's a stunningly beautiful oh, yeah, place. That's right. I forgot you were there. That's right. It's the wine country of, of Canada, in a way. It just, uh, yeah, it reminded me of home. It was absolutely beautiful place, so great, great place to grow up. Yeah, absolutely. Jennifer, I know you work with a lot of accounting firms and bookkeeping firms, so you're, you're really in touch. You kind of did what I did in some ways. You went from retail to wholesale working with them. <laughs> uh, and, yeah. and that, I think, provides a different perspective, doesn't it, when you're not at yeah, the goal face really anymore? Yeah, it really does. But I think, um, you know, I really think that when you've done something, you have a much better understanding of that profession. Like, uh, having been in their shoes allows me to serve them in a way that I wouldn't be able to if I hadn't, if I hadn't done that and had that experience. Right. Totally agree. What what is I know you have some data on this or some thoughts on it. Talk about the gap between what customers want from their accounting firms and what the actual accounting firms think their customers want, because there tends to be a gap there, isn't there? Yeah, there is, and um, you know I think that what we're seeing now is businesses are just starting to have a higher expectation of what they're bookkeeper, accountant, financial advisor should be delivering to them. And, of course, with uh, data being available anytime, anywhere in the palm of your hands, uh, businesses are starting to expect the same from their financial advisor. So it's like, okay, well, if the data is available, then I want advice available at the same pace. Um, it's interesting because when you talk to firms and when we've done studies, they don't feel the demand or hear that from their customers the same way that the customers are telling us or answering in surveys. Uh, so it's really interesting. You see a disconnect. And when you ask a business, you want this anytime, anywhere advice, where is your accountant at on that continuum? When are they going to start offering that? Or is that an opportunity? They say, well, I don't know. I've never asked them. I don't think that they do that. And it's like, well, why, why do you think that? It's like, well, they've never said anything to me about it. And I think they just really do tax. And you can easily just go to that accountant's website. They have a website, hopefully. And you can see they offer so much more, but they haven't been marketing it. And they don't think that their customers want it. So it's, it's about putting all these pieces together and showing the opportunity to accounting and bookkeeping firms that exist in the market today and what businesses really want from them. Because there is such a huge opportunity there. Do, do you think firms are just failing to, to talk to their customers and not have their finger on the pulse of what it is that their customers want? I think that they are, when they talk to their customers, in many cases, and this is what we hear, it's really important when I'm speaking that I'm not sharing my opinion, but I'm sharing what I actually hear from the market. When they talk to their customers, they're giving them the financial information that they think that they want they're sharing information on how their business did last year. As Tom Hood always says, they're spending a lot of time looking in the rearview mirror and, um, and going through their taxes. And when you ask businesses, tell me about what that experience was like, 
they will tell you that it was confusing, that they didn't understand it. They didn't take away a lot of value from it. They do see some value, obviously, in compliance. They don't want to get in trouble, uh, but they don't see a lot of value beyond that. They didn't even understand what the conversation was about. Like, they feel confused. So, you know, when we talk to businesses and say, well, ask for it in English, like say, this is how I talk and this is how I want you to talk to me and I want to understand what's going on in my business and I want you to be that expert, look for the person that can answer those questions and they exist. But there, there is a disconnect in the asking. So I think a lot of accountants are telling what they think the businesses want to hear, but if they actually just stop and ask, and there's, there was a great study done uh, a few years ago by Bain and Company, and it was just around satisfaction with professional service firms overall, and they asked professional service firms, what percentage of your clients would you say are extremely happy? And it was like, oh, 80%. And then they actually went to their clients and, and did that customer satisfaction rating, and it was like less than 20%. So there was a huge gap between how happy their clients really are and how happy they think they are. So it just says there's a lot of opportunity and work to be done. And, and it seems to me, and I, you know, as a former practicing and recovering CPA, it seems to me that, that this is kind of endemic to the profession and has been for a long time because it's not like we're just hearing about accounting firms need to be more proactive and need to offer you know, uh, information that looks forward rather than just reporting on history. We've been hearing this literally for decades, and it just seems like we haven't been doing anything about it. The accounting firms haven't been doing anything about it. So I guess my question is, what's, Sage stra- uh, what's Sage's strategy to help firms embrace this change? Yeah, well, I think, I think we're at a bit... The interesting part about where we're at right now on this continuum or this journey is that the core services of firms in many ways are being commoditized. So what is happening now that has not happened in the past is the services they offer day in and day out are in some cases going away. So you'll talk to a firm that has an entire uh, group of bookkeeping data entry folks. Well, now with automatic bank feeds, that information is just coming into the software. Now they, that's a whole bunch of jobs that, are, that either need to turn into something else or just go away. So right now, there's a little bit more of a sense of urgency because they can see their old firm model slipping through their fingers. So that, that's why I think now is the time. From a Sage perspective, um, there's two things that we're doing. I think one is around um, education. And I think it's really important to continue to, uh, it sounds silly, but like spreading the message and making sure that firms are informed about what businesses are looking for, uh, where they have opportunities, making sure that you provide the, the data and the research so they can make good decisions about where they want to take their firm in the future. So there's a, a, lot, of inf- uh, a lot of work being done on the education side. Uh, and then the other piece is around technology. So how do we build smart technology that they can use not only in their firm, but also with their clients. So when we're talking about anytime, anywhere access to data, how do we make sure that we have the best cloud technology to, to foster that connection between a business and an accountant? So it's kind of a two-prong approach. It's the education and the technology together. And I think, I think they're really important together because one of the biggest gaps that we see is when a firm will adopt cloud technology but not change anything to do with their business process so basically what they've done, they've just taken the same thing they did on the desktop day in and day out, and they just moved it to the cloud. They've missed the entire opportunity of any time, anywhere data. So um, that education piece and helping them transform their model is so important. 
Right, because like you said, the cloud enables them to do so much more work and so much less time. So if they're stuck in that we sell time business model, they're kind of cutting their own throat. Absolutely, absolutely. It's just a lot of opportunity. How is cloud adoption coming along? Do you see it varying, like say, between Canada and the United States? What what percentage of firms have really embraced the cloud? Yeah, it's, you know... It does vary. Uh, it does vary a little bit from region to region, and depending on um, the the different studies that you're looking at, we're actually quite consistent in in Canada and the U.S. Uh, I don't know if that's surprising or not, but they're they're very similar. I think what we're seeing is businesses are adopting the cloud faster than firms are, and sometimes what a firm will tell you is, "We are uh, yes, we're a cloud firm." And when you actually get in there and you spend time, and this is why I, I don't rely heavily on the numbers, I think they're probably overstated a little bit. When you get in there, they have one client on the cloud that they're serving. So they've got someone using an online solution. They're like, yeah, we're in the cloud. So it's like you've got the badge, you've got the logo for your website, you're ready, you're cloud ready. So I think, um, so I think that's where it's, it's interesting. They, they want to be able to say that they're there but they haven't figured out how to actually move their business there. And it is a journey. Like it's a changing their business model and changing the way that they work and learning new solutions. It's, it's a lot of change for a profession that, um, you know, most of their change comes around legislative changes, not around all of this other business process stuff. Uh, so true. So true. The technology, I, they probably feel overwhelmed with some of these technological changes. Jennifer, Absolutely. I still hear from firms that that argue the cloud is not secure. My client's data will not be secure. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I think, um, so I think everyone, before you adopt a cloud solution, you should do your homework and make sure that the company that you're working with um, takes security very seriously. I mean, obviously at Sage, that is extremely critical to us. Uh, when we When we try and translate the level of security that we have around our data in the cloud, the best way that I can describe it is say, think about the, the level of security around banking and online banking, and we've kicked that up a notch. So if you're doing online banking, you're not worried about that, you don't need to worry about this. But I do encourage people, um, there's a lot of startup companies out there, and there's a lot of, um, you know, there's just, there's a lot of stuff going on in the cloud. So don't assume because you do one thing in the cloud and it's secure that everything that you do is secure. And at the same time, and I know we've beat this one to death, don't assume that something that's on the desktop is secure. And that's actually where there's a lot of data security issues. And you'll, you'll hear about firms. It's like, you know, someone left with all their client files or they've taken physically the computer or the laptop and they've done backups at home or they've lost uh, a, a drive that they had backed up a client file on. And so they think about the security of the cloud, but they don't think about the security of the desktop. And they need to think about that equally or more in many cases because lots of times that's where a majority of their business is. Right. Now, that's such a good point. I mean, I'm so much more paranoid about the people inside the firm protecting the data than I am having it be in the cloud. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. In, in the last couple of minutes before the break, I know you talked to a lot of business owners as well. What do you advise them to look for when they're selecting an accounting firm or even a bookkeeping firm? 
Well, I think it's, um, I actually think it's probably a lot like advice I'd give to someone that's dating. I think it's about being very clear up front what you're looking for. Like set your expectations up front and don't settle. So when I talk to people and they end up with an accountant who they feel speaks a different language than them or when they talk, it's confusing. It's like, well, how did you end up selecting them in the first place? So interview them and say, hey, how often are we going to meet? When we talk about my financial statements, like, for example, here is a financial statement. Explain to me what this means. Make sure that they're going to talk in a language that you understand and make sure that you're on the right the right track of how you're going to work together. If working on a, on a Saturday is the only time you can meet with an accountant, make sure you're hiring a firm that's open to, to talking to you on a Saturday or can work around your schedule. So I think you want to be really clear with what you're looking for up front and then interview, just like you'd interview anyone else that's going to be working in your business. This is a very trusted area of your business and you want to make sure that you get the right person. Right. No, great advice, especially the, I love the language because one of the things you see in the research on why companies select accountants and, and indeed stick with them is the communication skills, you know, what doctors call the bedside manner. So do they talk in language you can understand? Are they empathetic? All of those things. And it has nothing to do with technical quality, does it? Uh, it doesn't at all. And it's actually funny when, when they say, I didn't understand anything. Focus group after focus group, we hear the same thing. We say, well, did you, why didn't you ask or say, I don't get it? They said, I felt stupid. Like, I felt like I should know this stuff. And I said, well, it's interesting because you're a plumber, for example. So if you would have asked them a question about plumbing, some technical question, do you think that they would know the answer? And they're like, no, I wouldn't expect that. So it's like, it's okay for you not to know because that's not your profession. That's not what... You know, that's not what you, where you want to spend your time in your area of expertise. But, um, so don't feel bad asking questions. You right. imagine, imagine if the medical profession was as poor at this as accountants are. <laughs> and there's some of those too. I've there there are, they're out there. <laughs> but you wouldn't settle for it for very long, right? Because your health is too important. Well, your finances are, are very important as well. Absolutely. Well, Jennifer, this is absolutely fascinating, and uh, we need to take our next break. But folks, I'd like to remind you, you can contact Ed and myself at asktsoe at verisage.com. Also, check out thesoulofenterprise.com, and we will post full show notes on, on the show with Jennifer. And in the meantime, we want to hear from our sponsor, Azamba. making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. What if you could close more business with less effort and do it faster? What could your people accomplish if they had their own personal assistant keeping track of meetings and reminding them of follow-ups? What would it mean to have a perfect view of what your team and your prospects and your customers are doing? What if you could run your business from anywhere? You can have it all. Visit www.azamba.com forward slash soul today to find out how. That's azamba, A-Z-A-M-B-A dot com forward slash soul. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. 
The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. are tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit verisage.com you may also tweet us at verisage that's v-e-r-a-s-a-g-e now back to the soul of enterprise and we're back with jennifer warwa my sage colleague and uh, jennifer i just want to pick up on a couple things that you were talking about in the segment with Ron, uh, it, you know, you, you're talking about the ability to, to communicate and understand in a language that the, the customers themselves can pick up on. And, and we had a, a guest a couple of weeks ago who is from Disney and uh, Lee Cockerell, and he, he told a fascinating story about the, you know, the number three question that's asked at Disney uh, is pretty interesting. The first two, by the way, are where's the bathroom and where's Mickey Mouse? But the third most asked... asked yeah, exactly. The third most asked question is, what time is the 3 o'clock parade? Right? Which, which seems like a ridiculously, wow. stupid, uh, ridiculously stupid question. But what he said was, and I, what, I, what was so fascinating, is that the, the, the guest, capital G, by the way, is not really asking what time's the 3 o'clock parade. They're asking, is, this a, is where I'm standing a good spot? Really, what time does the 3 o'clock parade come by here where we're standing? Because the 3 o'clock parade, of course, is 45 minutes long, right? So, but but that's, how they, that's how the guest frames the question. And what he said was, is most businesses you know, would come back to, you know, that, like, duh, 3 o'clock, right? And I think that accountants and bookkeepers, well, accountants that I've had an experience tend to do that, right? They, they tend to um, answer the, a question that I, like, well, should, you, you should know. Why don't, why don't you know this? So it's almost the exact opposite of what you were talking about. And the example that I'll give and, you know, is that I, for years, went to an accountant for my, uh, my, my, my income tax return. And started using an online product, which I sh- shall not name. But um, you know, it did a better job interviewing me and asking me questions in plain language than any accountant ever did. Yeah, interesting. That's uh, that's technology at work right there. But yes, it's uh, it is that sometimes the the question is not really the question. That's the yep. deep takeaway. Yes. Yeah, and and I think that th- some of the stuff that we're trying to do at Sage, and we're going to you know get get on some Sage here. After all, you're a, a Sage guest, but there's some really cool things that we're doing at Sage that I think are along the lines of helping accountants and bookkeepers get better at at answering the "what time is the three o'clock parade?" question. And you mm-hmm. know, I'm thinking, of course, of of Sage Sage uh, Value, Sage View, and and Impact. So, why don't you talk a little bit? Because I know Ron wants to talk to you about value, but why don't you talk a little bit about Sage Impact first? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I, I think that there's a few things here. There's the the technology that we're bringing to the market, which you just talked about, and then it's about the how. How are we coming up with the ideas of what needs to go into the market? And then how are we delivering it in a very unique way that's different than anyone else that's out there? And so I think um, when you look at all the products that we've taken to market, it really has been about listening to customer needs. And in this case, my customers are accountants and bookkeepers and firms. 
and listening to what's going on in their business, uh, spending time in their firm and looking at the way that they work, understanding the challenges they have with clients, understanding the challenges clients have with them, and then putting all of that together and saying, okay, how can we help solve these challenges with education and technology? And so that's the, the cloud releases that you've seen come out from Sage over the last number of months have been all about that. It's been all about meeting customer needs and, and co-creating those products together with our customers. And, and together, that's, I think, a magical combination because if we just get a bunch of smart people together in a room here and shut the door and think we're going to come up with this brilliant idea, we might come up with something that could be rather smart, but what we need to do is get out there in the market and create it with our customers. And so that's why I'm so passionate about what we're doing right now because it's just exactly what the market is looking for. And those, some of those products are, have been released already, right? Absolutely, yes. So let's talk about one that, that I know is near and dear to both of our hearts, the, the Sage View product. And why, why, why that one, first of all? Why do, why, do we, why do we come up with a product that allows you to, 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 to look at financial statements and, of course, look at uh, data from other systems? Yeah, absolutely. So what we're finding in firms is, and probably no surprise, firms are not using one accounting solution to manage all their clients. Their clients are using any number of solutions. As a result, firms have to go and train up all these different people in their organization to understand all the different accounting products. So we're watching the way that they work, and we're saying, okay, in order to get this data, for example, you need to call a client, they need to email you a backup, you need to restore the backup, you need to print out all these reports, and by the time all that happens, it's too late. You've missed the deadline, you've missed the opportunity to help them before cash flow became an issue. So we said, what if we can get data off the desktop into the cloud from multiple different sources and then serve that up to a firm in a consolidated dashboard? They can actually have a call with a client and say, I'm looking at the way things are trending. And because of the alerts and the way that they've set up their own KPIs unique to each business, they can say, if things keep going the way they do over the next eight days, you're not going to make payroll. We need to get in some of these receivables. They're too high. That conversation is very, very different than the one that they're having today in many cases saying, hey, I need your stuff to complete your year end or your taxes are ready for pickup. That is a valuable conversation. That business said, you saved me from, from my paychecks bouncer, people not getting paid, which is mission critical in a business. So it's, those are the valuable conversations that we're trying to facilitate through smart technology. Jennifer, I love that. When I practiced, I had a customer who told me, Baker, to use the financial statements you give me once a year to run my business is the equivalent of me timing my cookies with my smoke alarm. And when I saw Sage... (laughs) I love that. That is brilliant. When I saw Sage View for the first time, I think last year when you announced it, I think it's Leader, but I, I got a demo of it and I was really impressed. Not only could it suck in information from multiple systems, but it also allowed the firm to customize a dashboard both with financial indicators, but also non-financial indicators, because it's it's really those non-financial indicators that drive the financial indicators. And what are the leading indicators in the business? And I, I was really impressed with that. And that's that's got to be helping firms add value to their customers and have better conversations. I would imagine. Absolutely. I mean, when uh, if you picture that process that I described before, that was so cumbersome and after the fact, and now. An accountant gets a text message saying, hey, you have an alert. They can go into their Sage 
View app on their mobile phone and say, oh my goodness, I got this client that's got an issue. I got to get on this. It really does bring that anytime, anywhere business model to life. It allows them to have the meaningful conversations at the time of need, not at month end, a month later, a year later. Right. You know, the old joke about the accountants come in after the war and ban at the wounded. And, and it's it's so true. If if all we do is play historian with you know bad memories, we're not going to be adding the value that these that these businesses need. Absolutely, you're exactly right, Jennifer. Sage Value, another one of your new products. Uh, I know it's going to come out next month, but can I'm really excited about this one. Can can you talk about this for a minute or so? Yeah, I think um, you know. What we hear, I know you've heard of this concept, value pricing, I think, Ron? I think yeah. may, He's heard of it a little bit. It may be familiar bit. to you. I don't know for sure, but I'm just guessing. Yes, of course, Ron, obviously, being the global guru of value pricing, I know this. But, I mean, for you know, we're listening to the great work that you and Ed have been doing around value pricing, um, the methodology, how it can change firms. And what we saw and what we kept hearing is there's no technology that's complementary to that methodology. And so you get firms that say, I don't even know how to get started. I don't know the questions to ask. I don't know how to start understanding the value of the services that I provide to the business to even figure out what this could look like. And so that's the whole idea of Sage Value is about bringing together the, the information to allow that firm to be able to determine the value of the services and, and actually get paid what they're worth. And quite honestly, businesses are very happy to pay for value. And so sometimes people will say, well, this is way more than I would have charged them. And it's like, but they see that much value in it. It's not hard for them to, to pay it because they've seen the value. So it's, it's basically the technology to complement the methodology that we've been hearing about and you have been um, doing a great job of advocating for around the world for many years. Well, you know, the Sage Value, uh, the early versions that I've seen, really does provide the framework of everything a firm has to do to think about that value and then to capture that value because it's also a tool for offering options to customers. And, and I think that's one of the significant things about it because Ed and I have found that offering choices to customers really makes an enormous difference. Absolutely. And I think what's really important about the products that we've been talking about today, the solutions like Sage Value and Sage Impact and Sage View, is that we have two-week re- release cycles. So these are all cloud solutions, and we are getting regular feedback from users saying, oh, I, I just wish it could do that. I wish we could change that. And so we're able to bring that to life really quickly. So um, when, when people see it, they're like, well, two weeks ago, it didn't, it didn't look like that or it couldn't do that. And that's because we're iterating based on that feedback. Right. No, that's really exciting. I can see so many opportunities moving forward with this. Jennifer, what do you think is the number one issue facing the accounting profession? I think it's, um, well, I think first of all, it's a, a part A and B. Whenever someone says, just give me one issue, I'll have like five parts to the one issue. But I think it's about <laughs> firms, when you ask them where, what the vision is for their firm, and this is fascinating, I just find all of this stuff very fascinating, but when you ask them what the vision is for their firm, they don't know. And if they know, if you ask five partners what the vision is for their firm, you get five different answers, and you get a different answer for everyone in the entire firm that you ask. 
most of the time. So I think the first issue is they don't, they don't know where they want to go. Where do they want to be in 10 years? And then the second part is once they figure that out, how are they going to get there and are they prepared to make the changes necessary to make it happen? And I think there's a lot of firms that uh, don't think that they need to make a change and they don't, they don't see the urgency. And so when you combine all that together with not knowing where they want to go, not thinking they need to make any changes and just living in the status quo world, it's the recipe for disaster. And so I think that there's such an opportunity ahead. I mean, it makes me want to go back and open a firm sometimes because I think there is a great moment right now where the opportunity is like it has never been. And I, um, I, I think it's just a great time to take advantage of it. It, it is. I agree. I mean, the profession's at this inflection point, and inflection points are always really interesting to pursue new opportunities. So I, I love your answer, Jennifer, because it's both micro at the firm level, but also macro. You know, Tom Hood, I asked him that question when we interviewed him at Sage Summit, and his response was change. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just just the pace of change. <clears throat> Well, this is fascinating. Again, this, uh, this is just flying by, but we need to go on to our next break. And, and folks, again, you can contact Ed or myself at asktsoe at verisage.com. And we know many of you listen on demand and would really appreciate it if you could give us a, a review on iTunes. That really helps. And in the meantime, we want to hear from Ed and Jennifer's employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Four new employees. A 20% increase in revenue. Being one of the 9 million women business owners in the U.S. These are your proudest numbers, your landmarks of growth and success. Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. See what Sage can do for your business. Visit believeinyournumbers.com today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Kless. To find out more about our show, visit Verisage.com. You may also tweet us at Verisage. That's V-E-R-A-S-A-G-E. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And as Ron mentioned, we really would love if you keep up those reviews on iTunes, but also want to remind you that we do have the book out, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. And if you didn't hear that great commercial by Greg Kite, you can also go to 
thesoulofenterprise.com slash book, and that will take you to the link. And if you have read the book, we really would love you for you to post a review because that is helpful as well. You know, Jennifer, I was just uh, thinking about as you were talking with Ron, you know, all, everything that we've been talking about, I think, in one way or another today, uh, it, it, sage value, impact, view, is it's really all about shifting the timing of the questions that are asked. I don't know if that makes sense to you, right? It's it not does. even so it's not even so much the the answers that are provided, but it's shifting the timing of the question. And man, that's that's some critically important stuff. Even to the last thing you said, which is different people having different vision or no vision. You know, Ron and I talk, uh, you know, this this show is called The Soul of Enterprise because Ron and I believe that business needs to have a spiritual component to it. And as you were talking about this idea of, of organizations not having a vision, I was remind, reminded of, of a quote from Proverbs. I'm not a, a big Bible quoter and I can't give you a chapter and verse, but it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I think that from a, not religious, but a spiritual component, I think that's oftentimes what a lot of businesses are missing. They're missing that, that vision, that spiritual component of it. Does that make sense to you? It absolutely does, and I, there's been a number of studies done around the profitability of a business around alignment of the vision, the strategy, and the objectives. And when, you, when that is aligned and they're down to very few objectives, the profitability just goes way up. So that vision is mission critical and success. And, and yes. I really think – oh, go ahead, Ron. Sorry. Oh, no. Go ahead, Ed. No, I, you're, you're up. <laughs> well, Jennifer, I was going to ask you, you know, Ed and I spend a lot of time talking about value and how value is completely subjective and how that obviously ties into pricing. But at a couple different conferences, I've heard you tell a story about when you used to practice and it's a tip story. And I think it's just really fantastic. Could you tell that tip story? Yeah, absolutely. So it's a it's it is an old story, but uh, I think it's I can't come up with a better way to articulate the value of value. Um, but basically, I had a client that I was doing work for, and at the time, all of my services were hourly. I priced for my services. That's the only way we did it. And uh, as I was talking about earlier, many times you get clients asking you for things that were outside of the scope of what you did because they are trusted you with their business. And so they had a very large multi-million dollar contract that they wanted to negotiate and they asked if I would be interested in negotiating it for them because they didn't want the other party to know it was them until they were far enough along because there was a, a lot of publicity involved and they didn't want the press to find out. So I negotiated this multi-million dollar contract. It did not take a lot of time because it was, it was already fairly well laid out when I came into it. So let's say it took 10 hours. And um, and they ended up signing the deal, and the press announcements went out. And I didn't know how to bill for it because I had been pricing my services hourly. And I was like, geez, only 10 hours. Like if I bill them my normal rate, even if your rate's a couple hundred dollars an hour, this seems ridiculous for this multi-million dollar deal. So my answer to not knowing how to bill was just don't bill. It's just better that way. Like, let's, not, let's just not send a bill and make nothing. I don't know what my logic was there, but it seemed less embarrassing that way for some strange reason. So my client asked, which was really funny because he had, you know, 14 different locations, 
across Canada and somehow, as the CEO of the company, said, I haven't seen an invoice from you for that work that you did. And I thought that was interesting because it's like, do you look at all your invoices? But anyway, (laughs) and I said, you know what? It was such a pleasure to work on that special project for you and it was just a great experience and I enjoyed it. So I'm just not going to bill you anything. I'm just, consider it on me. It's just a goodwill gesture. And he was like, no, 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 that was really important. I want to pay you. I'm like, no, it's all good. And he said, well, do you, do you like Wayne Gretzky? Does your husband like Wayne Gretzky? And uh, my husband is, was born and raised in Edmonton, Alberta, and he is a huge Edmonton Oilers fan. And I was like, oh, he loves Wayne Gretzky. I mean, he's, he's got all that memorabilia. He still lives in those days. If you're from Edmonton, you know what that means. Um, but he was one of, the, uh, one of the owners of the Edmonton Oilers. There was an owner group. And he said, well, we're doing this farewell party. Um, there's a big farewell thing uh, in Edmonton for Wayne Gretzky as a going away. Would you be interested in going to it? It was like, well, of course we knew about it already, and it had sold out. It's one of those things that sells out in 30 seconds. And he said, I'd like to take you as my guest. And I was like to say thank you for this work you did. And I was like, well, that's just brilliant. And he said, okay, we'll have someone contact you with the details. So his assistant called and booked our flights and arranged for our hotel and our transportation to that hotel and said, you know, that there'll be someone that picks you up from the hotel at this time to go to the game. And, um, and so all of it, it's very surreal because all of this is just, it's elaborate and exciting and um, and then we get to the game. We don't know where our seats are, but like what's going to happen. We get escorted to the center ice skybox, and we're right wow. in that suite, right at center ice, the owner's suite. Like we, there's not a better seat in the house. It was just fabulous. And um, and then afterwards, we went to a party with all the players and the and the owners, and um, you know, and then spent the rest of the weekend there and flew back home, and. I, I think about all of that, and I think those tickets, or if it was on that MasterCard commercial, they would have said they were priceless. But the value of that weekend, it really was priceless. Like, you could not get tickets. It was, it was sold out. I mean, this was Wayne Gretzky's retirement farewell. And I think about all of the tangible, you know, the flights and all of the hotel and the food, but then that priceless event and being in that center ice suite. And it really was price. I couldn't even put a value on it, but that's just a small, a small glimmer of what he believed my services were worth. After all of that, when I was leaving, he said, I still expect to see a bill from you. <laughs> and I, I thought of that and I thought I would have billed him, let's say I would have billed him $2,000. How embarrassing. These tickets, if you could get one of these tickets, they were selling for $10,000. So there's $20,000 for the tickets, not in the center ice skybox, up in section 300. So I think I would have billed him $2,000, and it was worth, I mean, just exponential amounts from there. I mean, so I just said something is wrong with the way I am pricing my services. This is just bizarre. And so I think for, for me, that was a turning point. And I don't think at the time, I didn't call it value pricing, but I knew that something was wrong and that the way that I was valuing my services was significantly under the way that my clients were seeing that perceived value. And, um, and that's when we started to say, hey, we're going to start looking at what is this worth in our clients' eyes and we're going to start pricing our services differently. 
Yeah, what you picked up on, Jennifer, is that you were you, you, you weren't really pricing the services so much as you, you need to start pricing the results of the services, and exactly. uh, because that that that's the thing that made the huge huge difference to him. Okay, we got about one minute left, so I want to ask you, what's your like crazy wacky crystal ball prediction about the future for? professional firms i mean and it can be any time period five years down the road ten years down the road what 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 was something that you know you you think about occasionally and go i bet this is going to happen but people would think i'm nuts if i say that yeah i think it's i think it's around really accelerated automation of those core services so even when you think about tax I think that they always feel like tax can be a service that they'll be offering. I think there's even potential for that to get way more automated and that to start to go away. So I think that that automation is just going to um, open opportunities, but it's also going to cause hardships for firms that aren't willing to change. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one, too. I could have gone on I, and I would have thought <laughs> of something much more brilliant if I would have had more time, but I think that's, uh, you know, that's one of them for sure. Well, no, I think you're, I think you're right on. I think you know, and, and just to, to complement that, I think that, that there was a stat I heard that there are more people in in India that understand they're not necessarily CPAs, but that understand the U.S. tax code than there are people who understand the tax code in the United States. I believe that. <laughs> so. I pre- <laughs> Pretty interesting stuff. All right, so uh, thank you so much, Jennifer, for being a guest on The Soul of Enterprise. We really appreciate you talking with us and sharing your knowledge and insights with our audience. I'm sure they got a huge uh, a charge out of, out of hearing some great stories from you. So thank you. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, thank Jennifer. Thank you thanks. so much. For, thank you for having me and for all the great work that you guys continue to do to drive the future forward and, and make light of important topics. I appreciate it. And yeah. you too, all the work you do. Ed, yeah. what's up for next week? Next week, we're going to have a really fun show next week. We're going to talk about a book called The Expert Speak, The Definitive Compendium of Authoritative Misinformation by Christopher Cerf and uh, Victor Navosky. Uh, just for example, here's one of the quotes that's from this book, Ron. Uh, forget it, Lewis. No Civil War picture will ever make a nickel. That's Irving Thalberg's warning to Lewis J. Uh, B. Mayer about Gone with the Wind. So we're going to have a lot of fun with that show. I love it. I'm looking forward to it. See you in uh, 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, supporting small and medium-sized businesses by creating greater freedom for them to succeed. Join us next week on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, In the meantime, feel free to visit us at www.thesoulofenterprise.com.